This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 151, The Key to Feeling Safe. If you experience fear, worry, or anxiety on a regular basis, or if you're the type to wait for the other shoe to drop, or you tend to hide parts of yourself, or you try to control the world and the people around you, today's episode is for you. Those are examples of behaviors we choose and emotions we experience when we're not feeling completely safe. Not feeling safe can hinder every aspect of your life, so it's really something that we need to talk about. Now, if you're waiting and hoping for the world to be safe, for you to feel safe, you might kind of have to wait forever. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about the key to feeling safe no matter the chaos around you. Today I don't have a guest. I want to say thank you if you reach out to me on Instagram and you wanted to talk about my solo episodes. I'm really glad they have been helpful and I love connecting with you guys. Today I'm going to reference some of those solo episodes, so if you haven't listened to those already, you might want to start there. 117, Understanding Your Stress. Number 121, Nervous System 101. 128, Tools to Regulate Your Nervous System. 142, Your Emotions and Your Nervous System. For a full list of my solo episodes, go ahead and check out the show notes. You'll find all of them there for you. All right, let's get to today's episode on feeling safe. Hey guys, welcome back. I recently went on a trip with a friend. We hiked the cloud forest here in Costa Rica, we spent time at the beach, we went chasing waterfalls and even looking for crocodiles. (laughs) We had an awesome time. But the best part of the trip, though, I think is the time that we had to really connect deeply. I mean, whether we were in the car for hours or sitting at the restaurant or out in nature, we talked about anything and everything. One day she asked me, why are you so private on social media? Why are you not sharing more of yourself and letting people see all of you? They're really missing out, you know, and you're missing out too. And she was right. I am a very private person. I mean, I'm a private person in life too. I'm private with my family, with my acquaintances, and then, of course, even more online on social media. I tend to show just a minimum, you know? You wouldn't know if you follow me on social media or if you're a podcast listener that I'm nursing a broken heart right now or that I'm going through a health crisis, that there are things that are difficult about living abroad, like, hello, I found a scorpion yesterday in my bag, (laughs) or that there are things that are difficult about running a business because I don't usually talk about those things. So I sat with her question for a moment, not sure of my answer, and in the perfect Erica's way, I started to cry. When something really hits home, like when I have a thought that is the truth, but I don't feel like saying it out loud, when I get to the bottom of something, I usually cry. It's the sign that I've gotten to the truth. And while I was holding my tears back a little and feeling a knot in my throat and some heaviness around my heart, all signs that I was getting to your question, I was finding the answer. She stayed silent and she held space. After a minute, I looked up and I said, because I don't feel safe. And then it hit me. As a recovering codependent, I was sourcing my safety outside of myself. I was waiting for the world to be safe, aka social media, for me to feel safe. And listen, I have learned not to do this in other aspects of my life, particularly in the relationships, but on social media, it's not even a place that I had the awareness that I was doing it. Once you have the awareness that you're not feeling safe in certain aspects of your life, then you can take actions, you can make different choices. And that works with everything in your life. You can't make change on something you don't know. 
So in this episode, we're going to talk about what is safety versus feeling safe, why it matters. We already brushed on it, but we'll go more into details. And then we'll talk a little bit about like why we don't feel safe sometimes and what's the key to feeling safe, which I'm actually going to tell you right now because it will be intertwined in all the things we'll talk about. I've also created a video class for you to follow along some of the practices I'll explain later in this episode. So again, you can check out the show notes and you'll find the download link there. All right, what's the key to feeling safe? Well, obviously, you've already heard me say that it's not controlling the people in the environment around you. The key is to cultivate that safety from within, is to create the feeling of being safe within yourself, meaning within your thoughts, your emotional state, and your nervous system. So put that on the side for now. We're going to break it down. But this is really how, and that's the only way that you're going to find that feeling of safety within. So let's start with why feeling safe matters. So further than my own realization of myself not feeling safe to be seen, to be, you know, to show myself, to be vulnerable online, there's a few reasons why I thought this would be an important subject for us to talk about. In a very simple way, safety is the most basic human need. If you think of the Maslow Pyramid, it's the biggest part at the bottom of the platform, right? Meaning that all other needs cannot be fulfilled if this one isn't. From love all the way to self-actualization. Every step's going to be harder if you're not meeting that need. So in that way, not feeling safe can hinder every aspect of your life and your growth. It stops you also from being present in the moment, so it robs you from enjoying what is actually happening, kind of keeping you stuck in overthinking and in worry and in fear of what might happen. It literally reduces the functioning of your neocortex, you know, the thinking and planning part of your brain. Instead, it triggers emotions like fear and a cascade of stress response that affect your health, your thoughts, your choices, your behaviors, of course, your results, while blocking you from relating to others, engaging open-heartedly, going with the flow, and so much more. <sighs> yeah, when we put it all together, it matters. And there's an important distinction between being safe and feeling safe. So I think we need to start there. Being safe is usually defined as free from harm or hurt. So feeling safe means that you do not anticipate either harm or hurt emotionally or physically. And this is why I wanted to talk about this. You feeling safe has very little to do with whether you are actually safe or not. Remember episode 117, Understanding Your Stress? We had a very similar discussion. Stress is your mental and emotional response to what you perceive as challenging or dangerous. Do you see the similarity in this? It either relates to your perception of the situation or your anticipation. In other words, your expectation of danger or getting hurt. So once again, I want to preface what I'm going to say next with this. The challenges you face are real, and they are situations in your life where you find yourself in real danger. And I know you have been harmed, and I know you have been hurt. This is not an episode on how to be more safe. It's an episode on how to feel more safe. 
And what I want to look at is how to create that safety feeling from within. It doesn't mean that if you're in an unsafe situation, you should stay and just work on your expectations and perception. That's not what I'm saying. Hear me out. Never stay in a dangerous situation. All right. (laughs) Knowing that feeling safe is going to mean something slightly different to everyone, I'll go over some of the common things that can fuel it, and it might give you some things to think about. So first, from a physical point of view, safety and feeling safe relates again, as we said already, to our most basic human need, that need of being protected and nourished. Yep, shelter and food. That's simple. Let's say when you listen to this, you live in a country that's free of war. You have a roof over your head or a home to go back to, and you've had some food today. It might seem like this need is met, at least on a survival level, since you are actually quote-unquote safe. But consider this. Maybe you undernourish your body because you want to be skinny, or you skip meals and eat junk on the go because you're always overscheduled and busy, or you do low carbs or intermittent fasting. And then on the other end, maybe more often than not, you're at conflict with someone you share a home with. Maybe it's a partner, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's your lovely teenage daughter. Do you think your body feels protected and nourished? Do you think it feels completely safe? Hmm? See the difference between being safe and feeling safe? Your body might be scared of famine, even if you are giving it some food. And your home might register in your brain as a war zone. And that leads us to what we call a safe space. Have you heard this before? Like someone being a safe space or a group of people being a safe space or a place, literal space in the environment feeling safe? The safe feeling in this context comes from knowing that you will not be criticized, discriminated, harassed, or threatened. It usually is mostly a place that's free of conflict, of bias, and of judgment. It's somewhere or it's someone you can just relax with and be yourself without any fear. Now, home might or might not be a safe space. Work might or might not be a safe space. A particular group of your friends might or might not be a safe space. So in short, the people you surround yourself with might be the reason why you don't feel safe too. Can you make a list of people, of groups, of places that you consider in your life to be safe, or maybe you'll realize that they are not safe? You could pause this episode, write this down in your journal, do it now or do it later, but write down just that question. Now that you have this in your back pocket, let's look at feeling safe from a mental and emotional point of view. On one hand, if you constantly fear criticism, discrimination, harassment, judgment like we just talked about, and anxiety is running your day-to-day life, it would be pretty much impossible for you to feel safe. On the other hand, if you have a rejection or abandonment wound, you know, a conditioned pattern of beliefs that you will eventually be rejected or abandoned by the people you love, also impossible to feel safe. You know what I mean? Like, did you feel wanted as a child? Were you accepted for who you were? Did you feel like you belonged? Did you feel like you have any sense of control over your life? For our reptilian brain, being rejected by the tribe means a cold and lonely death. 
So yeah, also complete opposite of what safety is. So if you started a journal with the question before, you can go to another page and start a list of things you have fear-based thought around. Situations, things in your life, people in your life that you have thoughts of expectation of harm and hurt. And just starting a list as they come and as you notice them throughout your day. Now, what about worry and overwhelm? Hmm? Do those feelings in your experience come from a feeling of lack of safety? I invite you to look at those thought patterns as well. And you can do the same for uncertainty. So the way we deal with uncertainty in our life, for some people, it can mean like variety and excitement and adventure. And for others, it means out of control, fear and lack of safety. Which one are you? I'll come back to these with the tools a bit later around how to create safety. But those are things you can reflect on in your journal. What about self-doubt? Your lack of self-trust. I'm going to take a pause here. Take a breath. What I'm about to say is one of the hardest things I've had to realize about myself and for myself a few years ago. Are you ready for this? If you lack self-trust... And if you're constantly doubting yourself, you don't feel safe because you are not a safe space. You're probably not a safe space for yourself and other people around you. (sighs) Okay, what do I mean? If you're constantly judging yourself, criticizing yourself, the things you think, the things you do, the things you feel, if you're putting yourself down, if you're repeating the same bullying thought pattern again and again, basically harassing yourself, You are not a safe space. And you're probably critical and judgmental of the people you love as well. And you might be mean and discriminatory with people you don't even know. Can you see how you might participate in your own lack of safety? Interesting, right? Now, this statement is not a self-flagellation statement. Come on now. It's for loving awareness. Take another breath. You probably were never thought how to be a safe space for yourself. It probably wasn't modeled for you. We'll come back to this. For now, let's look at safety from a nervous system perspective, kind of giving a break to your nervous system from that big topic. (laughs) Remember how the definition of stress and lack of safety had things in common? Well, from your nervous system perspective, they're basically the same thing. If you want to go deep in this, you can go back to episode 117, Understanding Your Stress, or 121, Nervous System 101. For the purpose of the discussion of today, and really simply put, not feeling safe creates a stress response in your body. Because the role of the nervous system is to detect threats, recognize danger, and then to do what it can to keep you safe in that moment. Not feeling safe clearly registers as a threat. And then... Your foot all the way on the gas, sympathetic activation, will prepare you to fight or flight. Your adrenaline, cortisol, and other stress hormones will go up, just like your heart rate, your blood pressure, your muscular tension. On the other side, your digestion will slow down, and other hormones like thyroid and reproductive hormones are going to slow down as well. You'll feel chaotic, frenzic, anxious, out of control, too much, confused, overwhelmed, and I can keep going. So not feeling safe adds to your global potentially chronic, stress response 
and affects your health, your wellness, and eventually your relationships. Because from a relationship point of view, not feeling safe creates and reinforces pattern of codependency and of people pleasing. We don't feel safe voicing our opinions or need or preferences or desire. So we in turn are not going to get our needs met. Maybe we don't quite open ourselves. We don't feel seen. We don't feel understood. We don't feel loved. By definition, codependency is sourcing safety externally. And where I'm getting at, again, as a reminder, is that it doesn't work. It doesn't work because you can't control your partner. You can't control the world around you. And you can't wait for everything to be perfect with rainbows and butterflies for you to be okay. And I'm not inviting you to spiritual bypass, put your head in the sand and pretend it's all okay when it's not and the world is on fire around you. Those are two different things. I'm inviting you to work with your thoughts, your beliefs, your expectations of reality, your emotions, your body sensations, and your nervous system to create, one, a more accurate read of the situation, and two, a more efficient way for you to process it. Before we get to that, I want to make last one comment on trauma. When we look at safety from a trauma perspective, the feeling can be triggered by more than your thoughts. Think sight, sound, smells, people, place, things, word, memories, colors, even feelings, like something similar that you've experienced in the moment of trauma can become linked with the trauma and then a trigger for a feeling of not being safe as you're replaying the past in your head as if it's happening in the present moment. So there's many reasons why you might not feel safe. So far, we looked at why it's important to cultivate safety, basically because it touches every aspect of your life, and why it's important to cultivate it from within, mainly because you can't control the people in the world around you. And we looked at what is safety from different perspective in our experience to have a more complete idea of what we're dealing with in our mind, body, emotions, nervous system, relationships, and so on. And I named a few reasons why we don't feel safe. Remember? Because of our thoughts. Our expectations of hurt and harm. Because of our lack of certainty or our beliefs around certainty. Because we undereat. <laughs> because we're not a safe space for ourselves. Because we haven't learned, we haven't been modeled what it is to truly be a safe space for us and for others. Because of the people we choose to surround ourselves with. Because of past trauma. Now that you have more awareness of your feeling of safety or lack thereof in your life, you can set a plan in motion. You can make different choices than just being ran by your unconscious program in your mind. And instead of trying to control the people around you and the way the world turns, and instead of feeling safe by limiting your options, by avoiding people or situations that might be risky, because let's be honest, that works. If, let's say, someone is violent with you in your life, but it doesn't work with all the little tiny things every day you anticipate that might cause harm. Otherwise, your world is going to become very tiny, very fast. So instead of avoiding by just not getting in contact with, what can we do? Ready? All right. In a general matter, we can work on becoming more present, more aware, more mindful. Remember that when we are feeling unsafe, we are either projecting ourselves in the future with what-ifs, or we are reliving something from the past that didn't go very well. So step number one to counter that is to bring yourself back into the moment. That also means to not deny 
what you're feeling. Yep. Accepting the fear, meeting the fear in your body, and only then gently, lovingly shifting out of that emotional state. For more on that technique, check episode 128, Tools to Regulate Your Nervous System. Another way to deal with fear is to decrease the threat instead of remove it completely, decrease the threat while increasing your resources. What I mean by that is that you can reduce your exposure to the threat. Let's say someone in your life is not a safe space. You might talk to them less often, or you might not talk about certain subjects with them while working in parallel on your nervous system window of tolerance. The zone of healthy arousal in your nervous system, where you're not hyper aroused or in fight or flight, and where you're not under aroused or in a dorsal vagal response, your collapse state. Instead, you're able to deal with whatever is happening while staying calm and being able to mobilize. That window of tolerance over time with particular practices can expand so you can more easily deal with challenges, where in contrast with stress and trauma, the window of tolerance tends to shrink over time, meaning you'll respond from a state of defense even to what would be considered otherwise like as a minor stressor. A better awareness of when you're in or out of your window of tolerance, aka what are your cues for hypo and hyper arousal or sympathetic and dorsal states, will help you choose the right practices to decrease or increase your arousal. Mindfulness practices, building strong and safe social connection, and improving your stress in general all can help to increase your window of tolerance and make you more resilient to challenges. So coming back to what we said earlier, being a safe space for yourself is key here as well, as you learn to let yourself be uncomfortable with emotions that you classify as uncomfortable, but you continue to stay kind and curious about it. Another little thing we'll talk about soon is learning to trust yourself. That's going to be a big part of expanding your window of tolerance as well. All the nervous system practices we've talked about in episode 128, Tools to Regulate Your Nervous System, are part of your resources. You have a list there of things that can help you increase your arousal or decrease your arousal. So you can use those. Co-regulation is also a great resource I want to remind you of. We talked about it in that episode, but it can be as simple as being in the presence of someone that is in their window of tolerance, that is regulated that is calm and open-hearted, that will encourage your vibration to meet there as like our system naturally in train with each other. If you are feeling hyper or hypo-aroused, to get in the same space with someone that is feeling calm and present and open, they will help you regulate yourself. So to recap, decrease the threat, and increase your resources. And we're going to go over a few new practices at the end of the episode that you can add to your resource list. The next way to create safety from within might not surprise you, thought work. You need to look at the thoughts you regularly have that create emotions that relate to your lack of safety, aka fear, worry, and anxiety. And you might have started this reflection earlier in this episode when I asked you to get your journal and write some things down. Here are some clues. All the what-if thoughts where you're 
analyzing possible risk scenarios, mentally preparing for different outcomes, rehearsing conversations in your head, endlessly debating decisions, trying to be perfect, over planning, criticizing, controlling, attempting to change the people in the world around you, and so on. <laughs> Those are all thoughts that will fuel emotions like fear, worry, anxiety, and that will send a signal to your body that you're not safe. So once you have the awareness of those thoughts, especially the one that you repeat regularly, you can practice creating space between you and your thought with tools like meditation and journaling. I've spoken about this before in another episode, but I also like to diffuse the thoughts with simply stating that I am having the thought, blah, blah, blah. It allows me to be with the fact that not all my thoughts are automatic truth and that I can be separate from the thought, and that a thought is just something that's happening in my brain, right? It takes a little bit of its power away. So as you recognize that all your thoughts are not automatically the truth just because you're thinking them, you can start to practice challenging them further. An example would be to find ways to disprove of the quote-unquote fact of the thought. Let's say you're having a thought that because of this fight, your partner is going to leave you and you won't ever find anybody else again and you will die alone. Challenging that thought could look like, well, last time we fought, we came back from it. Or I am more resourced today than I was last time we got into a fight. Or we are both learning to communicate better. I think if we slow down, we can probably figure this out. Can you see? It leaves the door open to more possibility. So basically, instead of having a thought that registered in the what if dash catastrophe range, we can create a thought that registers in the what if dash possibility of everything being okay range. And over time, we can learn to replace them and be a bit less black and white about things and a bit more nuanced and gray and be like, hmm, maybe, maybe it's going to be okay. Instead of, what if it all goes to <laughs> shit? This can also work with your acceptance of uncertainty. We talked about it a little bit earlier. It's switching from uncertainty equals danger, fear, unknown, and out of control to uncertainty equals maybe a fun surprise or maybe something exciting in my day or maybe something new that will create a lovely memory or a new adventure. So again, keeping the possible open. Remembering that the words we attach to our experience becomes our experience. So we want to focus on creating a more compelling future for ourselves. It's important to work on using the right words because the words we use when we talk also have a big impact on our physiology. They can literally change your body chemistry. If you remember episode 142, your emotions in your nervous system, your limbic system will create a chemical that we call emotion to match the information that's sent by your neocortex, information that we call a thought. With your emotions, your body adapts, right? So you have a thought, your limbic system is sending a chemical in your body that's an emotion that matches that thought. And then your body will have physical reactions from it. It might be in your nervous system, but it might be just in your posture, in the way you move, in your facial expressions, in the way you breathe, in the sound of your voice. 
with fear, an example would be that maybe your heart space will collapse and your shoulders will round and your voice will be a bit less loud and down, right? Once you notice your body's way to express a lack of safety, you can practice reverse engineering it. Working on the opposite. In this example, your posture, right? Walking with your head high when you walk into a room where there's other people. Practicing back bending and opening your heart space. Opening your voice by singing and talking loudly on purpose. <laughs> Doing these things can teach your body that you are okay by spending more time in the physiology of the no fear zone. So you can use your body to affect how you feel. Another way to spend more time in the no fear, less worry zone is spending more time doing things you love, things you already feel capable and confident with. At the same time, it will help you build your self-trust. Other ways to relearn self-trust could include to reconnect with yourself and what you want and what you need while practicing making small impact choices again and again, meaning look for a small A-B choice that is very low risk. Do I want to do A or do I want to do B? And there's not like a huge consequence. Self-compassion will also be key here again. Remember, learn to be a safe space for yourself. Lastly, one reason that we fail ourselves and so we lose trust in ourselves is that we set goals that are completely unrealistic and we fail. Like we don't meet those goals. So start smaller and start doable and celebrate every time you accomplish something you put your mind to. Over time, though, to grow your window of tolerance, also, at the same time, you have to aim to learn and develop new skills. And that might seem very scary, and that might make you feel very unsafe. If that's the case, I would recommend putting a time limit on what you're learning as a new skill and doing little pieces at a time so it will help you stay out of overwhelm. Let's say you put a 15-minute timer while you learn this new skill And then you put it aside and you move on and do something you're already comfortable and confident with. So you kind of have a pendulum motion between the new and the old. And slowly you spend more and more time into the new without creating overwhelm and making yourself quit on it. Another important tool to consider is inner child work. Especially if you've experienced childhood trauma or a general feeling of lack of safety in being yourself. Or a feeling of lack of trust coming from the adults or any level of gaslighting. If that's your case, you may see your younger self as scared, vulnerable, and even helpless. Know that you dealt with your circumstances the best you could with the tools you had at that age. Those tools probably included suppressing pain and suppressing memories, and that's a great tool when you're five years old. The suppressed painful memory, though, have a way to resurface in adulthood, making it more difficult for us to cope with emotional distress, to accept who we are, to meet our needs, and to build healthy relationships. Inner child work is a way to care for your younger version of yourself and help you make peace with those traumas while connecting with your inner child, cultivating play and joy, and learning to reparent them. Lastly, we've talked in episode 128 about orienting, tour environment. I walked you through a practice. Today, I want to add practices of body orienting. These are ones that you'll find on the video download that I talked about in the introduction. I recommend using those if you feel disconnected, avoidant, stuck up in your head, 
or you know like just out of that body sensation you're numb or you're looking to numb to be avoidant as the name says they help you reorient you to your body they can also help you feel more grounded more present and they're great to prepare you for a restful night especially if you tend to have nightmares okay number one You can put your right hand on the left side of your ribs, you know, like on the side of the heart, and then your left hand on the right shoulder. So it's like you're giving yourself a hug, one hand under the armpit, the other hand on the shoulder. Feel your hand as they contact your body. And then feel what's going on inside the body. This is a practice to help you become more aware of the container of your body and help your body sensations, emotions, and energy in turn feel more contained over time. So they feel less overwhelming. Now breathe into your hands. It will take a few minutes and you can continue like this until you feel your body release and kind of soften into your hands. You might also notice something like a sigh. Practice number two, try tapping all over your body. As a variation, you can squeeze the muscles in the skin This kind of practice helps you get the sense of boundaries. Often when we don't feel safe, we have trouble setting boundaries or our boundaries have been crossed in the past, often resulting in trauma. And it helps the body remember that it is the container. And that might help you. It might be easier to deal with sensations and emotion as they arise without the fear of overflow, if that makes sense. Number three, you can notice your hands and your feet and use those to feel more grounded. You can stand on your feet or on all four and feel the weight of your body in the parts that touch the ground, shifting in and out, right and left, or even in a circle, just to feel how the weight transition and the changes and the subtlety of the weight that's being carried. To enhance the sensation, if you're like, I don't feel much in my hands or I don't feel much in my feet, you can take a ball and throw it hand to hand. It will help your hands feel energized and alive. And by throwing hand to hand or even throwing the ball on the wall and catching it, the need to catch it and the need to be coordinated to make it happen will help you be more present. It's hard to think of anything else when you're trying not to drop the ball on the floor. <laughs> so just like you can use a ball to make your hands feel more alive, you can also use the ball to make your feet feel more alive, like by giving yourself a foot massage. Many studies reveal that foot reflexology and foot massage can reduce pain, organ inflammation, and psychological distress like depression and anxiety. So it's worth adding to your toolbox. Number five, you can place a hand on your forehead and a hand on your heart. Then after a few moments of breathing, feeling what goes on between the hands, looking for an energy flow, a change of temperature, an emotion that comes to the surface, colors or textures that you can feel or see in your mind or with your inner eye. And you keep your hand there until you feel something shift while you're breathing slowly and deeply. When you do feel something shift, you'll take the hand that's on your forehead and move it to your belly. And you will repeat, moving the energy now between the heart and the belly and waiting until you feel some shift, some energy flow. Number six, I love a good sway meditation. Either seated or standing, you can sway side to side, creating a rhythm like a slow metronome. The swaying helps release tension if you let your head kind of be a little bubble head. The gentle movement helps moving energy without force. 
So just focus on relaxing the shoulders, the neck, the face, the lower back, or anywhere you feel tension as you do. And you might have felt that in the past, like automatically in a particular meditation, that like all of a sudden your body started to sway on its own. It's a sign that you're feeling safe, that you're feeling calm, and that you're really present. Number seven, do you know how we swaddle babies and it calms them? The pressure reduces their anxiety as it imitates touch for the nervous system. We can do the same as adults. If you use a really big blanket and you wrap yourself in it quite tightly, it will help you feel more contained and it will help your nervous system relax. If you want to add a cherry on top, you can add a rocking movement that can be very calming and it can also help you feel the container of the body. And it could be part of reparenting practices, like giving your inner baby that rocking, loving moment of parent-infant connection. Last example, I love pressure on the belly. I like to sit with a cushion against my belly or anything like a belly massage or doing a belly shavasana with a blanket under you. All these can be ways to calm, to ground, and to connect inwards. So if you want all of these practices in a guided 30-minute video, I made that for you. Again, check the show notes. You'll have that download link there just for you. It will help you cultivate safety from within. And if you want to work one-on-one instead, if you want to work on particular practices, you want to go over some of the things I've said or need help to implement them in your life day to day I'd love to help you you can sign up for a free call in the show notes as well thank you so much for joining us today if you haven't already done so leave a review for this episode of the podcast in general on iTunes it really helps people find the podcast and to say thank you you'll get access to our premium membership for free for a full month all you have to do is send me a screenshot of your review either in a DM or by email and I will get you all set up Find the show notes for this episode at ericabelander.com slash 151. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And this includes our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next Monday.